Thank you so much. Sound like they were really singing there, didn't it? Wonderful. Thank you very much. Take your Bibles, if you would, and find Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Going to be reading verses 13 through 23. Matthew 2, 13. We're glad to see you. You have chosen well to come and be a part of the service today, and we're glad that you're here. Know that the Lord has great things in store for us today. We know that I uh, had a great time with our, uh, uh, actually all of our choirs, I guess, uh, sang last Sunday night, filled the place up, and we were glad to have that tonight. Also having a wonderful service, looking forward to the children singing. This is not just props for Sunday morning. We're getting ready for Sunday night that you see here. And then uh, also uh, next two Sundays, we'll have services at 10 o'clock on the next two Sundays. One service, 10 o'clock on December 23rd and 30th. I want you to prove me wrong. We figure a lot of folks will be traveling. Maybe we could have one service. But let's just, let's just pack the place out at 10 o'clock next Sunday. If you're here in town, uh, come and be with us. If you're out of town, I still collect bulletins from other churches. So if you're gone somewhere, find yourself a place to worship, and I'll be, love to have that bulletin as well. We are in Matthew chapter 2 as we continue our series on Simple Christmas. This now is the Word of God. Would you stand in honor of its reading today? Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word, and you may be seated today. There is a connection, probably more than one, but there's at least a connection with the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph. And it has to do with Bethlehem. Bethlehem is first mentioned in Genesis. It was that Joseph's mother, Rachel, that she had died in or near Bethlehem. She died giving birth to Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin. And Jacob, Joseph's father, when he speaks about her, and when he speaks some of his last days, he talks about how he had lost the love of his life and he had buried her near Bethlehem. Now, if you would ask Jacob what he thought of when he thought of Bethlehem, probably at that time, those many millenniums ago, he would have thought of Bethlehem, he would have thought of death. And then we have, this is also the place where King Herod had all the baby boys killed under two years of age. It was apparently well known. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 3, we read verse 13, but in verse 3 of this chapter, it says, When the wise men came and told Herod that the king of the Jews had been born, 
that he was troubled. And then it says all of Jerusalem was troubled. And the reason all of Jerusalem was troubled is because they knew the cruelty that could be inflicted by King Herod to anyone who dared cross him or was a threat to his kingdom. So in the in-between time, in the time between the that Jesus' birth and His death and His resurrection and among those who refused to believe, when they thought of Bethlehem, in the past they would have thought of death and sadness and sorrow, the loss of life of innocent babies in this small village. But today, when you think of Bethlehem, who or what do you think of? You don't think of death. No, you think of life. You think of the one who was born, who is the Savior of the world, your Savior. You see, Jesus makes a difference even in the midst of evil, even in the spite of tragedy, hope in the midst of hurt, life even when there's death. Now this is not part of the story that you'll probably read on Christmas Day. It's probably not the story we'll read on Christmas Eve either, but it's included for the purpose. It's the story of Jesus and it's the story of what happened in and around His birth. Now if the story of Jesus was a fairy tale, this part probably would not be included. There are parts of Jesus' life probably that we may not like very much, but we know it's all there for a purpose. For instance, we know that Jesus was spat upon, that He was ridiculed, that He was humiliated, that He was taken and He was placed on a cross. i got to tell you, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the less I like those parts of the story, but how thankful and grateful I am that Jesus endured such for my sake. Well, Matthew chapters 1 and 2, just like Luke chapters 1 and 2, are considered the birth narratives of Jesus, including the flight of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus to Egypt and the killing of the boys ages 2 and under in Bethlehem. And every part of the Christmas story has a purpose. Well, what's the purpose of this story, this part of the story this morning that we've read? Now, I know why I've included it today. Hopefully under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it's part of the story of Joseph. And we're using that simple thread of where Joseph is included in the story. And Joseph had three dreams in this part that we read, whereby an angel spoke to him and gave direction, gave him a message. This morning, we're not debating necessarily Herod's purpose. We'll spend a little time contemplating why God allows such tragedy to happen in Bethlehem on the hills of such a miraculous event. No, what we want to discover today is why this is included in Scripture, why this story is included, why this is part of Scripture. By the way, that's not a bad thing for us to do with every part of the Bible, to say why is it included. But we're going to talk about the purpose in the passage this morning. And it's okay for us to do that. You might notice there in your notes, there's some first-person statements. I want to make it personal. I want you to make it personal today that as we read this passage, what difference might it make? What is the purpose? And here's the first one that we find out this morning. This, the purpose in this passage, so that I will not forget the value of good news. So that I will not forget the value of good news. Today, may we want to know it, may we want to have it, may we want to hear it, live it, and share it with others. Sometimes that which makes something valuable is because it's not common or as accessible or it is rare. In fact, gold and diamonds are considered pretty rare today or pretty valuable because those are the things that you cannot dig up in your backyard. Uh, Oil prices go up, we're told, when the demand is greater than the supply. Sometimes it's just around the holidays, but for some reason, gas is cheaper today. Do you know why we're so excited about paying $1.92 a gallon for gas? Because most of us can remember paying 3 or $4 at times when we had to get gas. So it makes it valuable, it makes it good news. Well, we need to be careful not to lose the value of the good news about Jesus. 
Try this today. When you leave here and you go home today after Sunday school, uh, depending on how far you live, count how many churches you pass on the way to your house. Most of you probably will pass half a dozen or more before you get to your house if you live at least a mile or two probably away. I mean, how many Bibles do you have in your home? Probably a better question, can you find one of those on Sunday morning? Well, how many Bibles do you have in your home? I, I probably have, and I may be among the more unique, but probably 20 or more Bibles, not counting the Bibles that belong to my wife or to my uh, children. If you have radio, cable television, a dish, or internet, you can find some kind of preaching anytime, day, or night. Now, we realize some of it is not fit for human consumption, but the point is, the good news is all around us. We're fortunate. We also could be in danger of losing the sense of value and worth of the best news in the world. Understand the value and the power of the good news of Christ coming never diminishes, but our sense of it can when it is so common to us or when we let the bad news overshadow the good news. Now, when I say the good news, I'm talking about particularly talking about the gospel message. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, in this chapter, Matthew chapter 2, we find the first international mission work that is done. It's done by a star that is sent that is able to be seen in the east, at least east of Jerusalem. And the wise men traveled from far off Persia here in Matthew chapter 2, traveling many miles, days, and months to see the Christ child. Well, those only five miles away in Jerusalem, even when they heard about the birth of Christ, did not care to make the short journey to Bethlehem. In some countries, missionaries and pastors will sometimes uh, do week-long seminars or maybe two-week-long seminars and they'll have them from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now nothing's really significant or special about that time except for the fact that it is set because those who may be traveling afar sometimes even walk three hours in the morning to be able to get there and then three hours back home again in order to, after they've studied God's Word, they might be able to leave at daylight and may be able to be back at dusk. The hours are such that they can do this very thing and because people want to be a part of the study of God's Word. God is at work in ways that we cannot fathom. People are hungry for good news and the things of the one true God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, sometimes we might not drive the few minutes if we think the heating or the air conditioning might not be working just right or we were up too late on a Saturday night. One of those who refused to worship, we read about him here a moment ago already, is King Herod, known as Herod the Great. He lied to the wise men, wise men known as the Magi, told them that when you find the one called the King of the Jews, come back and let him, let him know because he also wants to go and worship. But Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus. In fact, he was going to do what he always did when there was some threat to his throne. He was going to exterminate any competition. Herod the Great, under Roman authority, and under the Roman government, actually sat on the throne in Jerusalem. First appointed governor of Galilee, and then he becomes the king of Palestine. Herod was not Roman by birth. He was half Jew and half Edomian, meaning that he was a descendant of Esau and not Jacob. He was on the throne of Jerusalem. Who was supposed to be on the throne of Jerusalem? It was to be a descendant of David. Well, Jesus was a descendant of David, but his throne was not of this world, and it was certainly much larger than Palestine. King Jesus came to give life, real life, and eternal life. King Herod was famous for taking life. 
And he was famous for his execution and particularly the life of the innocent. Jesus wants to save the guilty. Well, there could be hardly more contrasting character than that of King Herod. Now, I cannot probably satisfy the question of why bad things happen. I know that there's evil in the hearts of people. Satan is always at work. We live in a fallen world. But this episode, in the midst of the beautiful story, the gift of the Christ child being born, surely reminds us of why Jesus would come to offer forgiveness and to bring hope to a world in need. And we are as in much need today as the world was 2,000 years ago. Let this story, this story at the end of Matthew chapter 2, renew the hunger for the good news of Jesus and the Word of God. Get your Bible out again and read again about the precious treasures in the pages that is God's Word. Renew your prayer life and make it a priority. Let the church be a sense of, not be a sense of duty, but instead be a place of joy and fellowship as we worship God and serve Him together. Evil and tragedy and injustice will continue to happen. And for many people, when they see the injustices in the world, it will continue to drive them away from God. But those of you, we who are people of faith, let it instead drive us toward God to be able to seek Him even more. Let us invite others to come along, the, uh, come along for the journey and may we see the value of good news. There's purpose in the passage. It's also so that I will take part in God's work. It, it, it seems to me that Joseph, as we read about the things that happened with Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, he was more voluntold than volunteered for the mission that would be his the first few years of Jesus' life. Now, we're in a sense, we're kind of working our way backwards in the parts of the New Testament that talk about Joseph so that next week and Christmas Eve, we will be at the manger as we continue to discover what it means to have a simple Christmas to put our focus where it needs to be, where Christ is in the center. And we're learning more about Jesus than we are about Joseph. And we know the wise men came and brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many wise men were there? Well, we usually say three because there were three gifts. It makes sense to me. Why not? But we're not told exactly how many there were. But the wise men are warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they return to Persia without going through Jerusalem. And then we read in verse 13, after they had left, we read that God spoke to Joseph by way of an angel in a dream, and the angel tells Joseph to flee to Egypt until further notice, for Herod will be searching for the child to destroy him. Did you notice in the passage, what did Joseph say? It's a trick question because we don't have anything in the Bible that Joseph actually said. But what did Joseph do and when did he do it? Well, he got up and he took Mary and Jesus and immediately left, not even waiting until morning. He left during the night. Also, perhaps a way of saying that he left secretly, but he immediately went into action. Anything ever happened in your life and you think, this is really more than I bargained for. I wasn't really planning on this. Prodigal child broken relationship, financial hardship, illness, loss of a loved one. Why don't I get an angel in a dream? Well, you might. But you know that you have more, you and I, we have more than Joseph did. Well, we have the testimony of Jesus. We have the New Testament. Joseph had the Old Testament, but you have testimony of Jesus in the New Testament. 
And if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit that is living in you to speak to you. And in the scheme of things, the testimony of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in you is somewhere far above even an angel speaking to you in a dream. But to take part in God's work, you want to act quickly in the things that you know to do. Have you, have you noticed yet other similarities of the Joseph of the Old Testament and Joseph of the New Testament? And I talk about Joseph of the Old Testament because we just got through talking about him here just a few months ago. Some of you are already talking about him perhaps, I think, maybe in your Sunday school classes. But there are some other similarities. God spoke to both through dreams. Dreams was a big part of both Joseph's life. They both went to Egypt, took their family. Anything else? Well, they were both godly and faithful men. There's a pattern here that those who are godly and faithful are more likely to be able to hear from God and be able to be used by God. Now, the New Testament Joseph, he's called in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. We'll be looking closer at that verse next week. He's called righteous. Let's talk about that word righteous for just a moment. It means to be in right standing before God. And there's only one way any of us are ever in right standing before God. It's through forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus. And as we read the story about an unrighteous king who was known for cruelty and injustice, he he executed his favorite wife. My goodness, think about his unfavorite, his least favorite wife. At least two sons he had executed because he thought they were plotting against him, along with many other relatives and others who were part and leaders in his regime. Even the hint of disloyalty was cause for execution, whether it was true or not. Known for his cruelty, some cruelties that I pause to actually talk about on a polite Sunday morning, such as this. Caesar Augustus said of Herod, you know Caesar Augustus, don't you? You do know him, whether you know it or not. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, Luke chapter 2. Caesar Augustus said of Herod, his king, he says, better to be a sow, meaning a pig, better to be his sow than his son, for the former had a better chance to live. Called Herod the Great, maybe because he built large cities, maybe because of his great atrocities, but he was anything but great, and he certainly wasn't good. So as you read about such a king next to the chapter of the birth of the righteous king, it seems to me that you want to do everything that you can to be identified and used in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, even in the most difficult circumstances. You may not have volunteered to be in whatever situation, whatever circumstance that you're facing right now today, but you want to be in a position to where you're able to hear from God and to be used by God. There's purpose in the passage. There's purpose in the passage so that I will open doors for others to know Jesus. So I will open doors for others to know Jesus. Most of us will have filled our December calendars with office parties and clubs and friends and family coming over. And we have, we, those of us, we have church stuff all on top of that. Boy, we're worn out way before Christmas ever gets here. Well, what distinguishes you and I as believers from the rest of the world this season or any time during the year? Or how can we open doors for others and have an influence on others? We talk about simple Christmas. You may be thinking, well, the preacher's going to make us feel guilty about uh, being so busy. Well, you know, I don't know that we'll ever be simple as we need to be, but we can at least be simpler and that is to be sure that Jesus is the focus and that we want, our, we want the way that we conduct ourselves this season 
to open doors for others. Well, how can we do that? Let me give you three ways in which we might be able to do that. Suggest to you three ways, and, and we'll kind of use maybe the three different kinds of men that are talked about in Matthew chapter 2. There were the wise men. The wise men from Persia far away reminds us that the good news is open to everyone. But the wise men did something very unusual for men when they came to Judea. They asked for directions. What is it they say? Real men don't ask for directions. But notice, these were the wise men. They're not the regular kind. They had followed the star and it rested over Judea. And when they came and rested over Judea, where else do you think they're going to find the king except go to the capital? And they came to Jerusalem. I think maybe they thought there'd be some kind of celebration or party going on in Jerusalem. But when there wasn't, they maybe were surprised. And they went to King Herod. Herod himself, being half Jew, showed his ignorance when he had to call his chief priests and scribes to answer the question, where would the Messiah be born? And they read the scripture from Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, that the ruler would be born in Bethlehem. Then Herod conferred with the wise men, found out about the star, asked the wise men to let him know when the child would be born and told one of the greatest lies in history. He said he wanted to go and worship, but instead he wanted to go and kill Jesus. Wise men tell us you will open doors by your priorities. No. Singular. By your priority. What's the priority? I've seen it on your Christmas cards. Wise men seek Jesus. It's not just something that we say. Where did it show up for the wise men? It showed up in their time, much that it took for them to be able to find Jesus. Showed up in their money, did it not? Because they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Showed up in their actions and in everything that they said were seeking Jesus. Priority. And then how else might you open doors? Well, we've discovered lessons from Joseph, the guy who never spoke. The wise men speak. Herod speaks, but in this chapter, no words from Joseph who merely followed the directions of the angel of God, knowing what the future would hold. He's told to go to Egypt. Did you notice? Go there until further notice. I'll tell you what to do next. Go to Egypt. And then Herod dies. Angel speaks to him in a dream again. Says, go to Israel. But where do I go in Israel? He didn't know exactly where to go. When Herod died, kingdom was broken up among Herod's other sons and he was wondering, even feared about the son who was over Judea. And so in another dream, he's told to go back to Nazareth, his hometown. For Jesus will be called a Nazarene, a term to refer, identified with the humble and common people. So what do we learn from Joseph in this passage? Submit. Submit to the Lord in all things. Trust and obey. Even when you don't know what the future is going to hold, with whatever information you have for today, submit and follow Him. Well, the other man we've been talking about here, we're going to learn from him, Herod the Great. <laughs> Herod's the one we learn what not to do and who not to be. The one who was great in his own eyes. With Herod, it's all about him. Now, it's been a while since I've read or watched about the Grinch. But it seems to me at the end of the story of the Grinch, he turns into a good guy. He likes people and people like him. Kind of like Ebenezer Scrooge. Not so for King Herod. Just before his death, knowing the Jewish people hated him and no one would mourn his death, Herod the Great ordered that the, many of the distinguished citizens of Jerusalem to be arrested, many of the prominent heads of families to come, and they were put in prison. And Herod ordered, Herod lying on his deathbed, sores and infection and illness, uh, 
uh, was on his body, he was in pain, it was as if all the cruelties that he had inflicted on others was coming to him in kind. And he said at the moment of his death, his last order was that all of these distinguished Jewish prominent heads of families would be executed at the moment he died so that there would not be rejoicing at his death in Jerusalem or Judea, but instead there would be mourning. And at the moment of his death, all of the Jewish leaders and heads of these families instead were released. And fortunately, it was not carried out. I suppose if we thought hard, well, we could maybe think of rulers who were as evil or as cruel as King Herod, but i got to tell you, I can only think of a few. One of the most self-absorbed who ever lived. Contrasting Jesus who said, I came not to be served, but to serve. What do we learn from Herod? To be unselfish. Unselfish. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do not be selfish. Be humble. Consider others more important than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have the mind of Christ. You want to open doors for others? You want to stir conversation? You want to influence others for Jesus? Learn from this chapter. Have one priority. Submit to God in all things and strive to be unselfish. I can almost guarantee you doors will be open for you to share about Jesus. People will be influenced for the good and they'll want to know more about Him. There's purpose in the passage. We also learn one of the purposes so that I will remember the reasons what I do what I do for Jesus. I will remember the reasons I do what I do for Jesus. Now, this passage actually becomes somewhat significant. It's probably, of, at least of the Christmas narratives, it may be the most read. We know it's there. We mention it sometimes. Remember what Herod did? But it's significant, I think, because of the references to, it has to the Old Testament. Verse 23 says, The prophet said that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, you've got to know Nazareth is never mentioned in the Old Testament. But we know that from the New Testament that People from Nazareth and even the northern parts of Galilee were considered not very sophisticated. In fact, just as most people in other parts of the United States, when they think of the South, particularly like Alabama or Tennessee perhaps, they, or Mississippi or Georgia, any of those places, you know, they think of us as maybe a little redneck or hillbilly. Boy, they come down here and they're really surprised that we wear shoes and have indoor plumbing and all kinds of stuff. Well, it was the same way for the people in Palestine, but it wasn't to the south, it was to the north, and particularly the northern hills of Galilee and those small rural towns like Nazareth. So this is probably a reference to passages such as Isaiah 53 that says about Jesus, He was despised and rejected by men, and we held Him in low esteem. It's a reminder that Jesus came to identify with the lowly and to give grace and love to redneck and hillbilly people like us. Verse 15, it's a quote from Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, Out of Egypt I called my son. Again, there's a parallel of the Old Testament and New Testament Joseph. Old Testament Joseph carried his family to Egypt. New Testament Joseph carried his family to Egypt. Jesus brings about a new exodus. He exited, he left, left, exodus, left Egypt and a new, began a new people that be related by faith. It's more than coincidence. It's not just symbolic. Jesus is bringing you and I into the family. 
And then we have verse 18, where Matthew quotes Jeremiah and considers the great weeping of Bethlehem's children. Now, Bethlehem was a small village maybe of about 1,000 people. So maybe 10 to 20 families were affected and lost a baby in Herod's raid. Even one was tragic. In a small town of a thousand people, all would have known each family. Matthew quotes Jeremiah in the Old Testament where Jerusalem has been conquered by the Babylonians and Jerusalem was devastated. The people were taken to the city of Ramah that's mentioned here. And there the survivors were then taken to parts of Babylon in exile. And there was great weeping as there was in Bethlehem. In that same chapter in Jeremiah chapter 31, and often something that's used in the New Testament, something will be quoted, and they're actually talking about the whole chapter. Later in that chapter, it is stated that God has not forgotten you, even though you're weeping in Jerusalem, even though the uh, people of Jerusalem are being exiled, and many have lost their life, and there's great weeping going on. God has not forgotten you. There's hope for a bright future. There's hope in the midst of hurt. There's life even when there's death. A uh, visitor came to the town where I was the pastor. Nobody much noticed him as he came in. He came in at night, probably. He came and he fell asleep on the steps of the Methodist church. He was homeless. Somebody probably noticed him because early that morning the police picked him up. He gave the police a hard luck story and they carried him to the care house that we had there in town. And somebody at the care house called me. His name was Richmond and talked with him and asked him what he wanted. He wanted a bus ticket. I don't know that it particularly mattered where he was going, but he wanted a bus ticket and he came up with a place for him to go. I called Deacon up and Deacon and I carried him to the nearest bus station, helped to get him on the bus. Now, to be honest, we're just passing him along to another town, which I'm sure had happened a lot in his life. But while we were with him, I shared with him the gospel using faith, the letters of faith, F-A-I-T-H. And I told him, that I said, Richmond F is for forgiveness. You cannot go to heaven without God's forgiveness. And A is for available. Forgiveness is available for everyone, but it's not automatic. T or I is for impossible. It's impossible for God to allow sin into heaven. And T is for turn. You must turn from sin and self and turn toward Jesus. And H is for heaven. Everyone who calls upon Jesus will be saved and go to heaven. It's also for the here and now because Jesus has come to give us life and purpose. We prayed with him, Deacon and I. We bought him lunch and we put him on a bus. Certainly never expected to hear from him again. I suppose three or four months went by. Then I received a letter ten days before Christmas about 10 days before Christmas now. And he thanked us for the bus ticket, said that he's no longer homeless. He had a job and he was doing well. said he prays and he reads his Bible daily and he talked about the difference that Jesus had made in his life because of the day when he heard the good news and accepted Jesus. Now, please know I share this not to point to myself, but... I felt I was just passing along to another town. Didn't have much expectation. But his letter convicted me of why we do what we do. Because people need Jesus. And because Jesus can make a difference in every life. 
And sometimes I forget that. There's purpose in the passage, but you need to know also there's purpose in the problems. Whether it be your problems or the problems in this world. Why does a God allow such to happen? I don't know that I'll ever adequately answer all the questions of why things happen the way they do in this world. But I do believe that this is true. So that I will not forget the value of good news. So that I'll take part in God's work. So I'll open doors for others to know Jesus and so that I will remember why I do what I do for Jesus. God's greatest gift is the gift of His Son. Have you accepted His gift? If not, why not today? Come accepting the gift of salvation and life. If you've accepted this gift, celebrate it and be involved in God's work by giving of yourself today because you need to remember and the world needs to know that there is hope in the midst of hurt. There is life even when there's death. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for coming into this world in the flesh so that we might be able to know you, so that we might be able to have hope, so that we might be able to experience life and eternal life. We give you praise and honor and glory these few days before Christmas. And thank you, Father, for the celebrations that we're able to have and the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Father, we pray that truly it'll be a celebration regardless of what we are facing in our life that we know that you've not forgotten us. We thank you, Father, for the purpose in every passage. We thank you, Father, for purpose that you give in every problems for those of us who are in Christ. We pray, Father, if there's someone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. And may each of us draw closer to you than we've ever been before. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would, would you please stand?